All right. Another new episode, Memory Tracks. This is middle of March, and we're at number 53. So it's fun to do these again, and always fun to be able to bring on new guests and uh, listen to some new songs and and all that good stuff. But 53 feels really cool uh, because my guest is actually... Uh, well, the reason why he's here today is uh, part of the reason why this podcast exists in a lot of ways, because episode number one was actually, um, was your son, Stu. Uh, and Stu, yeah, was our first episode, which was October 1st, 2016. Super long time ago. Um, it's crazy. But we, uh, you know, I've, I've, obviously Stu is one of my best friends um, here in Austin. And you know, over the years, we've gotten closer and uh, managed to get over to Scotland, uh, where Stu's from, and meet the lovely Gray family. Um, got to see Bankery and some Aberdeen, in- Inverness, is that right? You saw Inverness, I think Donator Castle, That's is one right. of our famous landmarks too. Yes, yeah, so, many, so many good things. Um, I Honestly, I can't wait to get back. Uh, as long as the invitation is still there, I would oh, love yeah. to, to, oh, see, yeah. to see everyone again. Um, it was so much fun. But what is crazy is we're actually able to tape this episode here in Austin, which is a new place for me to be seen and meeting up with you. Because it's been probably two years, I think, since we met in Scotland. Um, and now, two years later, you're here in Austin. Tell, how did you how did you get here? Yeah, I think when we met, it was like a flyby at the airport. Almost. That's right. You were coming in, and I was going out somewhere overseas again for work. That's right. Yeah, you had just landed, um, and yeah, we were in the Edinburgh, uh, yeah, airport. Right, Edinburgh airport. We crossed. Yeah. I think I was eating some sort of you know break, like Scottish breakfast there at the little cafe, <laughs> and you survived. <laughs> Jet lag. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how did I get here this time? Yeah. Uh, weird COVID. I guess is the root cause. Um, I was needing to get out of the UK for various reasons um, because I'd been working in Azerbaijan. So I had to be working overseas. And with COVID, they already shut all the airports. The only place I could go was Dubai. So in Dubai for three weeks, getting bored. And then Stuart said, hold on, you can now come to the US because we couldn't fly from the UK to the US. And he was right. So came over here and I've been uh, living under his roof, Anthony's fridge, for the last, what, four or five weeks. You've got another three weeks to go. <laughs> that is so crazy. It's just, uh, I mean, an unpredictable turn of events. And w- to make it even more insane, was it your, your first week here was when the ice storm happened and uh, you were stuck in a hotel room without running yeah. water and food or something like that, right? I think I got the blame for that. I took the Scottish <laughs> weather with me. Um, but it was uncanny. I, I was never, um, I never thought for a moment that you guys weren't used to this weather, didn't yeah. know how to drip roads, yeah. frozen pipes, power cuts, and I'm going, wow. Um, so, yeah, it was like being at home. But, yeah, we were, we were better organized. Sorry. Yeah, probably a little <laughs> bit better prepared. Yeah, but it was okay. Yeah, no, yeah, you good. survived. You guys are here. Plumbing's back. Electricity's back. We yeah. we all got through it, and hey, it's another story to tell, right? Yeah, it's payback time. <laughs> He's due me thirty odd years, so I'm here for a few weeks. Um, That's so square. true. Well, yeah, when was the last time you were in Austin? Oh gosh, there were. Uh, it was before they were here, so I'm guessing four years. Okay, yeah. must be some of that order. And your wife Aileen has been here before as well. Oh right? yeah, she was cursing 
because she missed the flight. Basically, she was going to come out a week later to oh, Dubai, man. and yeah. uh, they shut all the airports. Uh, so she sent it home, and uh, I'm smiling, waving bad. at her <laughs> in 25 degrees. Yeah, well... Sorry, centigrade. Oh, that's <clears> right, yeah. yeah there's, I'm sure there'll be some language mix-ups that yeah. you'll have yeah. to translate. Yeah, that. no worries. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that, I know that's, that's hard on her to be separated, yeah. but, um, you know, soon everyone will be yeah. able to get back together yeah. again, so... And we'll get Aileen on an episode as well. I would love that. that would, I would love to hear that yeah, too. I know. <laughs> We've got to hold her to it. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like I, yeah, Before coming over, I listened, re- went back and re-listened to episode one. And you know, Stu makes a number of references to, to both of y'all um, and some of the different things there. And one of, the, you know, one of the tracks that he picked was a Neil Young track. And he made mention of you know, that his memory tied to that was before he moved to the States that you and him flew down to Hyde Park and uh, got to see Neil Young and... Got smashed. Uh, yeah, just got... Yeah, but it was great. <laughs> and the amazing thing about Neil Young, I've always been a fan of Neil Young, but yeah. uh, the amazing thing is his voice was as good it's crazy, as it was huh? back in day one. It's incredible. Crazy. Yeah, I, I actually... I think what we discussed on the episode was I had seen that same tour too because that was when he was reunited with Crazy Horse for that that was an anniversary or whatever and and caught that show in Austin and was just blown away by the guitar skills the presence and command on stage and the voice like I think there's so many people who should not do it you know when they've been on the go in the 70s, 80s, 90s if you've still got it, great. But if you haven't, please just stop. Right. You know, let's keep the good the good right. memories. Yes. Don't spoil it. And unfortunately, it happens a bit too often. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, he was he was excellent. It works out for him. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, how much do you actually remember from that show? Uh, from the show, I remember we were sitting on the grass and we drank copious amounts of white wine. <laughs> um, and this boxed wine, I think. I was... I think we started on boxes and then we <laughs> ran out of boxes and ended up in plastic bottles of white wine, which is crap. Excuse oh, me, yeah. French. No, but yeah, yeah we, we got hammered and then had to be up at like six o'clock next morning to get the flight back. Uh, that wasn't good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's a good do. Good do. Guy done well. Yeah. I mean, well, Stu knows how to get smashed. That's the yeah, yeah. thing I've learned yeah, about yeah. him. So it's I... in the genes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. Well, I, I really appreciate it to you for agreeing to do this. Um, you know, it's not often that, you know, I get to interview some uh, close friends, um, parent. And, you know, one day I hope to interview my own parents and then do all of that too. So it's kind of fun to, to get the rounds in with that. But I, I'm glad well, you're able to do I it. I don't know if I can give a different perspective because I was there in the 70s and 80s and you guys weren't even thought of. It's true. And, yeah. uh Yeah. There's a lot of good music today. It's from that era, and it's still being played, which yeah, cool. means it stood the test of time. Yeah, well, it's funny too because in uh, yeah, Stu talks about in his episode one of his songs is a Stevie Wonder, and he talks about how it brings him back to like being teen, running around Bankery with his friends, and you know getting yeah. smashed and stuff. And but I mean Stevie Wonder, I mean that's you know 60s, 70s yeah. Uh, yeah. too. And then from judging on you know your songs like these are real teenage songs for you. Like you were in the moment for it. Um, so I'm, I am excited uh, to hear it. And also, you know, obviously there's always that divide in music between 
the, the pond, and uh, I was not really familiar with these artists before. And at least one of them I, you know, had heard of, and then one of them I, you know, hit myself for not knowing about it the more I read about it. But I can't wait to go on a whole listening bender after we get through this. And I think it's, it's fair to say in the 70s and 80s as well, yes, we had some American influences, but we were, it was all local, UK and an awful lot in, in Scotland. Yeah. And you've got to remember too, in those days, we never had your Spotify's, we never had right. the internet. Right. You know? So uh, we had different ways of hearing it and enjoying it. And, yeah. You know, I love and it. remembering it. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing about it, but let's kick off with the uh, the first song, and I, I am going to remember to get it right. The band is called Fisher Zed, uh, and the song is called So Long. Here we go. Thank you. 
So Long by Fisher Zed. Really cool song. 1980, is that right? 1980. 1980. Like, listening to it, I'm like, oh, I feel like I, I know that song. And it's really that sound, that British rock, like, English kind of post-punk or... Yeah, I, out of the, what, I gave you half a dozen names of tunes and what have you. Six of them are Scottish, two of them are English. And okay. this band in 1980, they sold millions of records there. But it was mainly uh, UK and Europe. Okay. They were very big in Europe. Yeah. But um, the reason why I, I like stories. Yeah. And I'm not a. You're going to hate me for this. I'm not a Beatles. Yeah, 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 kind of man. Uh-huh. You know, I like listening to a story. Right. And at the time this came out, I'm trying to think. I was 22 years old, so it was uh, a lot going on. Yeah. And uh, what we did in those days, we. Life then was different from now. We never had all your, as I say, the, the gadgets, the gizmos, mobile phones, all this kind of stuff. You yeah. know. We met a lot. We congregated with our friends a lot. And, um, you know, we went to see a lot, of, a lot of bands that were touring. But also in those days, we never had like cheap flights. So if we ever were going anywhere, we all jumped in our cars and we went away and uh, my destination of choice in those days was the south of France. And this song, it's got the French connection to it. So if you can imagine, uh, it was a two-seater roof off Scotland all the way down to the south of France, and yeah. we had music just blaring <laughs> all the way. You, know, you couldn't hear anything else except music. How much driving is that? How long does it My record... <laughs> was Marseille on the Mediterranean south of France to Bankery in 24 hours. Oh I slept one hour on the ferry across the channel. No way. And the rest of the time was driving. It, it, I'm trying to think, it wasn't that bad. It was, what, 600 miles down through the UK, then six or 700 That's through so France. That's so crazy. 
Um, but that, that was the record. But that's what we did in those days. <laughs> right. So listening to stuff like this on a French motorway doing 120 miles an hour back in those days, you know, and that's how we got our kicks <laughs> on Route 66. <laughs> there you go. So, um, so, yeah, that was personal to me. The story's personal just because at those times it, it meant something. Yeah. Um, I just noticed because he said uh, he sent a telegram. I don't know if you guys know what telegrams still are or I if do. you use them. I think I do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in our day, just to show my age, we had fax machines and ticker tape. We never even had email in those days. How did ticker tape actually work? Uh, when I was working offshore in the, when was that? Late 80s. Um, so basically, you had a machine offshore going to onshore, and it did. It was tape came out just full of holes, okay. and then we had a secretary there that put it through a machine that basically then translated translated it. it. And huh. when the fax machine came out, God, this was a revelation. <laughs> this was like the mobile phone, and uh, my computer's floppy disk was floppy. It was a five-inch <laughs> floppy disk. So yeah, we've moved on a fair bit since then, but there were still good days. Yeah, but everything took longer. But, uh, yeah, that brings me back to youth cruising south of France. Yeah. Just having a ball. Well, how did, so, I mean, you know, pre-internet days, I mean, how did you even know that that was happening, that it was worth the drive to make? Was it radio promo or mailing? We, or? We, we had a, yeah, we, we listened to, late, uh, <clears throat> to radio an awful lot. But what we did was, in those days, um, there was a guy called Mike Oldfield. Okay. You heard Tubular Bells? Yeah. Well, Tubular Bells was Richard Branson's first, let's say, uh, when he did Virgin Records, uh -huh. Tubular Bells, Mike Oldfield, was uh, how he got an awful lot of money. And he started putting these record shops out all over the place. And next to my school in Aberdeen was a Virgin Records store. So every lunchtime, we were in there. And what we used to do in those days was they all had booths. You could go and pick your records, put on your headphones, and you physically listened to a plastic yeah. Uh, was how it was done in those days. Right. And a very good friend of mine, Ian Christie, he had heard them somewhere before, before they were big, before they got to the millions of records. And I remember we had a, a paper in those days called NME, which is New Musical yeah. Express. Does yeah. that still go? I don't know. You know, I, I remember when I was in college, I bought a few issues because I thought it was a cool way to yeah. learn about British music. But um I think it is still around. I don't know how much respect yeah. it garners. Well, in our days, that's where we got all the information. <laughs> yeah. So we would read this on a regular basis, find all the bands, go into the Virgin Records store and uh, pick out the vinyl and go and listen to it and see if we liked it or not. Yeah. But also in those days, there was a lot more bands on the road touring hmm. because very few of it was done on TV. There was none, as I say, of the tech that you have today. Yeah. So you had big bands playing in small venues all around the country. And believe it or not, these guys I never actually saw live. I wish I had. Yeah. But anyway, Ian Christie is a good friend of mine. Um, he said, we've got to listen to this. And uh, oh, it was just amazing. I think that's from, was it Going Deaf for a Living? Was yeah, the album. Right. <laughs> and they had another one, uh, which I think they had two or three British singles on it. But they sold a lot in Europe, in Europe too. Yeah. So that, that's where that came from. That, to me, just epitomizes driving fast, roof off, yes. getting blown about, right. probably with a hangover. Oh, of course. And yeah. uh, having a ball. <laughs> that's so funny. I assume no seatbelts back then. No, we, yeah, no, we had seatbelts, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 
Yeah, I think I was about seven Taylor seat belts came out. Yeah, so <laughs> that old. So no, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, the uh, the you know I think about like that being your experience in '80s, and then you know, Stu comes around in '87. So how hard was it once Stu got to be the age of taking similar trips? Uh, well, basically, I stopped. But Stuart's uh-huh. Muller Ailing, who you know, um, that's actually one of our favorite songs, too, because, oh, cool. you know, when we got together, we'd still go out driving. That's the yeah. kind of stuff that we used to play. Yeah. So um, what it meant was we ended up every time my parents lived about 60 miles away. And uh, every time we went down there, we had three people in the back who were a captive audience. <laughs> so they were they ended up listening to all our music. Stuart first, then Liam, then Lindsay. Yeah. So uh, I guess that's how he's got a he lot of similar taste to me. Pretty good taste, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, I feel like we always tease Stu for having the taste of an old man, but um, these songs are cool. I, I'm curious, like the sound of Fisher's Ed, how much is it related to like magazine or the band The Sound? I think they were like two, two British bands around that same time. That were magazine. Kind of, yeah, does that sound familiar to you? Magazine, I don't know. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna send you some of their stuff because I had a friend, yeah. No, don't recognize them at all. Kind of a similar, similar sound. I'd be curious if you like. We had when, and you'll hear this from the the different choices I've got, but at that time, it was like the six days were done, obviously, Mm -hmm. and from that, you had all these different paths for music. This, I don't know, they call it rock. So people call it New Wave. Yeah. The punk was just starting as well. Right. Then you had what I would call the theatrical stuff, mm-hmm. which Alex We're Harvey is an to, example yeah. of that. Um, also David Bowie was in those days too. Um, and then you also had the, the storytellers, mm-hmm. which are your Bob Dylan, your Neil Youngs and what have you. And sometimes you had an overlap, which yeah. was great. Yeah. Let's say, I, I need a story. I love right. a story. Yeah, that's how you connect. But... Every so often, something will come out that's different. No story, but the music is just amazing. Right. So I can, I'll take that too. But uh, yeah, the 70s, 80s was just this explosion. All these different bands going different routes. And it was such an interesting time, yeah. which is why my taste covers the whole spectrum. Yeah. If it's good, I like it. It's like red wine. I love it. You know, I don't need to take that bottle. I'll drink anything if it's good. I'll appreciate it. Yeah, I love that. Well, shall we taste the next bottle with the next track? Let's do it. It's uh, This is from a band called Hawkwind, and the song is Silver Machine. Here we go.
All right. That was Silver Machine by Hawkwind, who, shame on me for not knowing this, but that's Lemmy's band, um, or he was he was one of many members in that band before he started Motorhead after, I guess, he got kicked out of Hawkwind. For he, The quote from him is like, I guess he was arrested when they were on tour in Canada for <laughs> drug possession, and what he said really? was they got kicked out of the band for doing the wrong drugs or something like that. So. They, they had a, an ever-changing cast. Yeah, uh, Ginger Baker, I think, was yeah, part of it at one point. Yeah, he was in there for a bit, yeah. too. But they, they were one of the first, what's the word, space rock, psychedelic yeah. kind of... Yeah, space rock is what I saw referenced, like early proto-punk type stuff too. And, you know, at that time, as I say, we had this explosion. People were going different ways. And there were several bands like Hawkwind. But they were, if you listen to that, I don't know if you can imagine, a discotheque in the 1980s, all the lights flashing. The and then the smoke. strobes going on. <laughs> you got the smoke and everyone just headbanging to yes. that. It was just amazing. Out of our heads and something. Yes. And uh, yeah, it, it was it was like different at that time. Um, there were a lot of other bands around which were similar. I mean, Deep Purple, but they weren't so spacey. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of continental stuff. We had a band called Eamon Duel uh, that was an offshoot of Kraftwerk. You ever oh, heard yeah. of them? Oh yeah, I love Kraftwerk. Um, so they were on the go at that time. So there was a lot of let me call it synthesizer bands. Mm-hmm. And the space thing was interesting too. That's from the uh, the album. Um, oh gosh, what's it now? It's, it's not lost in space, but it's something. Search of space. It was from. Okay. And in those days, it wasn't just vinyl, but the covers. This was art form. Yeah. And everything opened up into several pages, and it had all these amazing photographs in it and the artwork. And uh, in Search of Space, the artwork was done by a guy called Michael Moorcroft, who was an author, artist, and what have you. And uh, he wrote a lot of sci-fi books. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just the music. You were looking at this, you were reading the books. You know, he was around at the same time as, I think it was Frank Herbert that wrote June. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. They they did a movie of it with Sting, I think. Yeah, Yeah. Um, which is about three inches thick or something. Yeah. But so it wasn't just the band. It was like everything that went wrong with it, you know. Right. They were getting into those books, there was drawings, there was, you know, various other things on the go. And it just made it more interesting. Right. And, um, yeah, it was also at that time, I'm trying to think. My brother used to race motorbikes and uh, we had a lot of motorbike influence in our day. So it wasn't a gang, but there were those groups of us hung about in the motorbikes. So this was, we're not talking Hell's Angels or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but it was a load of bikers going to the pubs, having shitloads of beer. And uh, this was the kind of stuff that we, you know, got into at that time. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it was great fun. Great fun. Did you ever get to see them perform? I saw Hawkwind in the Music Hall in Aberdeen. Um, and again, like the next one, it, it was like art, it was like theatre. Yeah. yeah, they were up there playing, but, you know, they had uh, the, what, like the, the inserted space stuff up. It was a whole production. It was very scientific, you know, sci-fi stuff. Yeah. Or another band that we saw at the same time was a band called Gong. Um, and their theme was Flying Teapots. So 
you can imagine, and they sold, I don't know, probably two or three million records. Yeah. But when you went in and saw them on stage, they had teapots with candles in them hanging from the roof and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And again, it was all the theatre round about it and it was different. So if you went in there with a few beers or some wacky backy and you watched this, you know, it all made sense. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a hoot. That's you so know, fun. It was fun. Yeah, I like the sci-fi theme and certainly, you know, you, you, other bands have like come and done things like that too. It just makes it more of a, to be a fan of that band that goes beyond just yeah. the song. It's an experience, the whole thing. It's, yeah. it's great fun. That's cool. Yeah, it's great fun. I remember, um, you know, I, obviously Motorhead is a lot of a heavier band, but this still has kind of that, yeah. you know, heaviness to yeah. it as well. Uh, it's but in those days, it was, uh, the organ was big. Yeah. You know, it was your John Lord's, uh, who's a Deep Purple, I think John Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, oh, I'm going to kick myself now. See, this is old age. Um, but, 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 famous uh, keyboard player. Jeez. <laughs> I'll get back to you on that one. But everything like exploded, keyboard synthesizers, everyone was experimenting with yeah. it. And uh, it was, you know, we hadn't heard this before. Yeah. And that was the good thing. So many things that were new all happened about the same time. And I was like, God, what's this? And, you know, every time you went to see somebody, it was, wow, never seen that before. Did you did you ever pick up an instrument yourself? Like, were you inspired to go be a musician at any point? Or were you just a strict observer and enjoy it? I used to be, believe it or not, in a band, but not for long. No way. Uh, I, I did piano and uh, we had a Hammond organ in the house. Yeah, and that's why I ended up in a band for a bit. But uh, no, I was terrible at it. What happened to that Hammond? We still got it. It's, it's still there. It's in my garage in Bankery. Are you serious? It's full blown. Would it still work? Double keyboard still works. Oh, you got to hang on to that. Well, my my mother was going to be getting rid of it, but uh, yeah, I think we should hang on to it. Yeah. It's got all the the sound buttons at the side, oh, you know, so you can no, add I'm in cymbals sure. and drums and everything. It's I'm amazing. sure it's worth. It's worth the yeah, probably money, is. and I mean, it probably needs a little bit of love and care. I think it does, but it, it still but, works. Yeah. It, well, it was working a couple of years ago. I mean, all those things were built to last, and there's you know people out here that still can go yeah. back and restore them and rework them. That's the yeah. fun. Did you no, ever play for your kids? No. No? Gosh, no. <laughs> no, no. Um, I, I can read music, and I used to do basic stuff like that, but uh, no. Yeah. No, no cool. there's none of us musical, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, I like that. That's a... Uh, it is, you know, when you're a kid and you're connecting with music, every, you know, person has the dream of, well, what if I can make this too? And uh, it's funny, like, I remember I, I, uh, when I last band that I was in, you actually, your first time in Austin, or mm-hmm. it was probably your second time in Austin, but the first time I met you yeah. was actually not in Scotland, it was in Austin. Uh, and you came out to see us play a show. Correct. Thanks to convince you to come after dinner or something. And I, you ended up buying like one I of our cassette tapes. Yes. <laughs> you couldn't believe we were still selling cassettes. I still can't do that myself. <laughs> a lot of people don't know what they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it was fun. I think that was when I kind of connected the dots of, um, you know, how much music meant to you and, and was a big part of oh, it. Oh, no, I love it. I'm sorry. The, the other keyboard guy that I really love was Rick Wakeman. Um, he and he's still going. And, but he's done so many different things with different bands and on his own. And, yeah. you know, it's just, I, I can sit down and listen to him for yeah. hours. Yeah. It's incredible. Well, who did he play with? 
Or is it just a solo? Uh, I don't know. I think just I think now he's just solo. Yeah. I think he's been solo for several years. Love to yeah. that out. But he cool. was yeah, absolutely amazing. He did a lot of solo stuff back in the nineties. Stuff like King Arthur and the Round Table and all this. Yeah. And it's all songs around, you know, the different so uh, factions. Back to that concept. It, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's good. The music is really good. That's yeah. so cool. Well, I judging from the research I did on this last track, I think <laughs> that the theatrics certainly come into play. Should we go to the next song? Oh, you gotta. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So the final song, um, the final picked song. Now I know you have a whole slew of others that maybe we can chat about there at the end, but we'll close the main uh, group with a song called Delilah. That's from the sensational Alex Harvey band.
That was the Sensational Alex Harvey Band. You had to be there. (laughs) It's just... The the reason I chose Alex Harvey, that's the only cover he does, by the way. Okay, it's Tom Jones' Delilah. It's the only cover he does. But the non-cover stuff, I couldn't give you one of those because they all last so long. (laughs) This is theatre. This is musical theatre. As I was just saying to you just now, if you look at that on YouTube... You know, and the quiet bits where they're not singing, they're all dancing. Everything is just so over the top. And it's like, I, I did get a chance to watch a, a clip that he had the dancing. It's like, it's just like it, weird theater kids dressed yeah. in makeup and it, bizarre it's, clothes. It's just choreographed. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I, I had, I think, two or three of his albums, and but they're too long. Um, if you ever get the chance to listen to Vambo or Sergeant Fury, something like that, um, it's it's quite incredible. And who's it? Somebody said Phil Spector in, invented the wall of sound. Mm-hmm. When you listen to some of these tracks, no, he didn't. He came over to Scotland. He might have watched it and got got an idea. But some of that stuff was just absolutely it's incredible, and it was a wall of sound. Yeah, I saw them at uh, Celtic Park, uh, the football ground. Alex Harvey was supporting The Who, and there were two other bands, I think Widowmaker and somebody else were on the lineup. But Alex Harvey, um, he was on before The Who, and the whole stage was set up like as a wall, and it, it was just sheer theatre, and they, they stole the show. The Who came <laughs> on and just couldn't compete. It that's, was just that's insane. You know, it, it was it was incredible. He was in his home territory, to be fair. Yeah, that's right. But it was just incredible. That's so cool. It's yeah. how many like when he performs. How big is the band? How many people are up there? With him? So there was what the Clemenson brothers. Um, so bass, lead, keyboard, drum. I think that was it. Okay, that was it. Yeah, but again, it was just a lot of organ stuff, and that's how you created the wall of sound. Yeah. Have you ever heard um, oh, famous keyboard player Dave Greenslade? You yeah. ever heard of Greenslade? Uh, he, yeah. he was a very, very famous keyboard player in the 80s and probably in the 90s. And uh, he was one of the pioneers. And he was on his own just doing keyboard stuff and what have you. And it's, it's incredible. What he does with synth- uh, synthesizers and keyboards is just amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you ever get a chance to listen to him, it's well. You know, I was reading. I was, I was reading about him, and uh, you know, it sounds like he was influential on a couple. I mean, obviously, he has the kind of glam. Yeah, it's glam rock, going. definitely. So, you know, there's Bowie ties, of course, which I know you know you're a big fan of. That's yeah. my. Um, but the one that kind of caught me off guard was, I guess. So one, he never really took off in the U.S. outside of Cleveland. Apparently, he was huge in Cleveland, really? Ohio. For there was okay. some radio DJ there that uh, played Alex Harvey stuff, so they always had a big following there. Um, and the two musicians that cited him as references, uh, not not Americans necessarily, but uh, Nick Cave, who is Australian. Uh, apparently, Alex Harvey was huge in Australia. And Nick Cave was like, "Yeah, my first band." Uh, which is the boys next door is basically an Alex Harvey cover band. Like seventy five percent of their sets were cover songs for that. And then Robert Smith of The Cure has you know also very heavily influenced and would say that everybody says Iggy Pop was the original punk, but actually it was Alex Harvey oh, no. this whole time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's and he died young. 
Well, in his 40s. Right. But he, he had... Well, it was a massive heart attack. Uh, he was on his way back from Holland, I think it was. He just did a gig in Holland. He's on his way back to Scotland. He had a massive heart attack. Anyway, they couldn't revive him. But mm-hmm. I can assure you, he lived his life not to the full, overflowing. <laughs> and it was no wonder he had a massive heart attack. He was, I'm just having a look here. I think he's about 47 or something. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's also probably why, you know, he was limited because of that. Yeah. Because he started late out. Um, I think he started in his late 30s. Interesting. So, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, for the short time he was here. And I always remember it was on the main news in the UK, which yeah. is unheard of, you know, for a Scottish act. Yeah. Um, who wasn't mainstream. Right, no, but, I mean, this is not mainstream. Yeah, music. they did a whole yeah. bit on him. I mean, I thought, that's good, he deserved that. Yeah. Yeah. Were you, when you think about, you know, musician deaths and things that, you've you know seen and, and been part of, of the news that breaks like I, I, to me Bowie's the big one Bowie's I, the, you know yeah. uh, Bowie I followed him all the way through his career yeah because uh, yeah well I'm 62 now so yeah you know so back in the 70s I'm trying to think well born in 58 so 75 right I was 17 years old right. you know and just when all this was kicking off so no we saw it we saw it all and it was a damn shame yeah, but because uh, Bowie did so, you know, he did a lot yeah. of good as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very private. But well, and, and, I mean, uh, Stu and I talk about this, um, and listeners know that I'm, you know, for me, Bowie and Prince are like two of my all-time yeah. favorites, and obviously, you know, their passing in such close succession was was hard on me. Yeah, so so with Bowie, you know, the thing that was so unique about his passing as well was it was. You know, essentially, like the day after a release of what I think is actually one of his best records with Blackstar. I haven't listened to it, and I deliberately to? haven't. Oh, Neil, you're killing me! You no, no, but it's on purpose. Okay. Uh, to me, he's so special. I want to take time yeah. and listen to it. I didn't want to just go in because. Um, yeah. No, I've followed him all the way through, and and amazing. So what do you no. think? So. Do you anticipate eventually you will listen to it? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely will. So have yeah. you thought about, like, what would bring you to get there? Um, I've had a fairly hectic time recently. To me, yeah. that's a sit-down, quiet room mm-hmm. and just, yeah, listen to just it. Just be able to process it. Yeah. It's, but, no, uh, it's I deliberately haven't. Well, you'll have to tell me uh, yeah. your thoughts once you're able to spend some time with yeah. it. I actually I think that's really, that's really special that you've put you know you've you've assigned such a an important assignment to yeah. be able to go do that no, and, and, and not take it for granted yeah yeah because to me he deserves it yeah gentlemen no that was a sad day yeah, yeah definitely um i don't know who else i don't know i there's so many people i'm trying to think who's died <laughs> not that we should be talking about that but um Oh, uh, the doors. Uh, oh, right. Morrison Jim, is just right. yeah. yeah, yeah. And I know Stuart listens to it all the time. That's, right. I brainwashed him in the car with uh, right. the doors. It's right. just yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. That's intense. Well, I actually really like. I remember in the email you had sent over, you had mentioned a couple other songs and other artists, and you kind of touched on. You know, it's all it's all European uh, for your selections and whatnot. But obviously, you had a lot of mainstream connections but I think what's really fun about this for me is it's you know 
you're from a different country, you're from a different generation, and yet there's still something to be had and, and to gather uh, from your experience of these songs and how they tie back to you in the same way that my songs or Stu's songs or anyone else's. So yeah, it's cool and to be able to share that. I'm, I'm just surprised that a lot of what I'm used to hearing and playing, because I used to have a disco many years ago as well, oh, you know, a lot of it isn't heard or exposed over here, yeah. which, which surprises me. It is different, yeah. Um, and also the, the Scottish element I find very interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, Alex Harvey, the first three, that's, that's the only Scottish one, but um, you know, Al Stewart, Year of the Cat. Mm-hmm. I mean, that... That record is so old, over 40 years old, and it's just amazing. Yeah. It's just incredible. Yeah. Okay, never had success like it again, but God, right. he didn't need to. Yeah. You hit it's, it's, it's a work it's of art. Right. Absolutely. Good Scottish man. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know if you would have heard, there's a band called the Humble Bombs in Scotland. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know it. The Humble Bombs was Billy Connolly and Jerry Rafferty. Okay. Now, I don't know, you ever heard Jerry Rafferty? Ah, mm-hmm. oh, this guy's amazing. So basically, the Humble Bums, two Scottish guys got together, did it. They, they weren't together for that long because Billy Connolly went and did his comedy thing. Billy Connolly's actually a very accomplished musician. Yeah. But anyway, he went on and did his uh, comedy stuff that everyone knows about. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Rafferty, um, he's been solo, but he also worked with, I think, Steeler's Wheel and what have you. Yeah. But again, his writing and the production is uh, Baker Street, I just think, is absolutely amazing. Yeah. And the saxophone playing in that yeah. is absolutely stunning. So add that to the list for sure. Yeah, really, it's it's. We're going to so have to go good. to a record store together before you head out. <sighs> <laughs> Wait, before, so I, wanna, I don't want to let this one go because you just mentioned at one point you owned a disco. So have, let's close on, like, what is the story behind you owning a disco? When I was 17, myself and a couple of mates, um, they're not all here now, unfortunately, but uh, we were all mad in music. And I was the guy that had the, also had a Land Rover pickup. So yeah. I was the guy that transported it. And the name of the disco was called Carl and the Passions. <laughs> now... I wonder how many of your listeners know who Carol and the Passions were. I don't. Think of the Beach Boys. Think of Mr. Wilson. His first band was Carol and the Passions. Oh, okay. Beach Boys trivia. So back in 1970... No, this is his school band was called Carol and the Passions when he was in school. Got it. So back in the (laughs) mid-70s, we started up a disco... And the Beach Boys were great again because Roof Off, Sunshine, South of France, right. boom, boom, ah, you know. Yeah. Oh, what are we going to call this disco? So we're reading up about Brian Wilson. His school band was called Carol and the Passions. That's what we called the disco. I love it. I love and it. I've still got most of the equipment. I have got boxes of 45s. Yeah. Hundreds of them still. Yeah. Uh, tucked away in containers, <laughs> garages, and God knows where else. I need to go through them and sort them out. Please do, yeah. But we, um, so we did that. We were resident in a couple of the busiest pubs in Aberdeen. Um, I was saying to Stuart, we always finish with, uh, oh, this is where this old age thing kills me. Uh, I'll come back to that. You'll have to edit that out too. Yeah. But anyway, it was great days. But also because of that, 
the whole music thing, you know, we, we just lived it. Yeah. And we were doing everything under the sun, all different bands, different genre, everything. That's why I like anything, whether it's operatic, whether it's folk music, you know, I, yeah. I love the whole range. Yeah. And then um, we, we had a pub ourselves in Bankery for a few years. I've so, been to that pub. Yeah, yeah, the Stag. Yeah. Um, so we had the disco in there, and again, we had all the music playing. Yeah. So, But I need to get all these 45s and get them cleaned you up do. and play yeah. them again. Oh, that would be so fun to it go through was that. great days. Yeah. Yeah, it was a hoot. Well, really I'll hold you to that. I'm going to keep checking in on you. So you <laughs> all archived and organized. <laughs> yeah. Well, very cool. Well, Neil, this has been awesome. I really enjoyed the chat, and I appreciate the time and your openness to it. It's a, it's a real treat for me. Well, I hope some of the choices have been interesting. Absolutely. And certainly not mainstream. Um, there's so many Scottish artists out there, yeah. you know, from the 70s and 80s that you probably haven't heard of. Well, a lot of them that you will. I never knew David Byrne was Scots. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's the one that I always think of. When yeah, I think Mark Knopfler was Scots. Yeah, that's right. And oh, I know I've got a list of them here, but... Well, call them on. I'm curious, actually. Oh, okay. So what have we got here? This, this is just ones I put together. Annie Lennox, of course, and Dave Stewart mm -hmm. from Eurythmics. Annie Lennox was born just outside Aberdeen. Oh, really? Um, Runrig, you won't know. Runrig is one of these bands. They take Scottish music, lyrics by um, Robbie Burns. Okay, yeah. So we've got Scottish music, lyrics by Robbie Burns, and they electrify it. And they fill football stadiums. <laughs> and it is just amazing. Um, and again, it's a wall of sound because yeah. you know what Scottish music's like anyway when you're dancing and all that. Yes. Well, imagine the whole lot electrified, oh, sure. but you've also got 50,000 people singing because they know every single word to it. Right. It is absolutely <laughs> incredible. Um, Travis, do they ever make it over here? I mean, there's a band called Travis, like from the early 2000s or yeah. something. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're mainstream good. hits, yeah. Mm -hmm. Amy McDonald and KT Tunstall. Yeah, they're, I remember they're the KT in college. Yeah, Humble Bumps. Oh, they, they we good. also listen a lot to JSD Band, which again was another yeah. Scottish electric folk group as well. Okay. Uh, but they probably didn't make it over here. Ian Anderson was the lead singer of Jethro Tull. That's right, and he's Scottish. He owns more Scottish fish farms now than uh, the no rest way. of them put together. He's the guy who used to stand blowing his uh, flute the, on one uh, leg on the stage. Flute, yeah, <laughs> yeah I've seen funny. him in concert, and he was yeah. there for ages doing it. I thought, how do you do that? Yeah. You know, no stool or anything. He's just sitting there. Ah, incredible. <laughs> the locomotive breath. That, is that so track funny. is yeah. just... Again, a lot of theatre. A lot of theatre. <laughs> yes. we, we like the theatre. Right. Um, another huge band in Scotland was Nazareth. I know that name, yeah. It's kind of like a... Deep purple is yeah again huge yeah. in Europe and in Scotland mm -hmm. you know so a lot of good stuff a lot of seeds came out in the seventies yeah. and eighties you know and got Seems blown around right. the planet yeah so yeah it's been a lot of good stuff well Scotland certainly has earned its place in music history we try and you're you're <laughs> keeping us educated on this so. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, very cool. Well, I think that brings us to a close. And uh, thanks again for for being a part of it. You're very welcome. And uh, hopefully you're able to get home safely soon, and I'll come visit you guys in Scotland. Three weeks, I'm off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. All right, thanks, Neil. Cheers, thank and you. And thank you, listeners. Until next time, this is Memory Tracks.